0: Hello and welcome to the Sound Up Seattle podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Cartwright, joined as always by my co-host,
1: John Carey.
0: And this is the second time we're doing this intro in the last 30 seconds because I didn't do it right the first time and that's my fault. We are here today to talk to you about the upcoming Seattle sports uh, football games, specifically Huskies versus Ducks and the Seahawks versus Bengals, both really good games this week. And uh, then we're going to talk NHL um, first game of the season for the Kraken against the defending champs. Uh, Las Vegas Golden Knights so a lot of big games to, to discuss in this pod uh, John anything else before we get into some Coyote Picnic
1: no I'm excited let's do it
0: john we're gonna we're gonna switch up the order a little bit we've been finishing with our value dogs and i think it's time we start with our value dogs let's the get people, people... What they want right yeah. off the bat yeah we, we knew exactly where that was going yep <laughs> people are sick um, and tired
1: of waiting till the end of the episode to get the important stuff how do we make yeah. money off these idiots
0: <laughs> exactly exactly um we had a very good week this week as as we um both had the same picks for two of them, and they both hit. So that was that was big. And then, uh, John, you had your third value dog hit, and mine did not. So 3-0 for John this week, and 2-1 and for your boy. And to uh, clarify
1: our picks last week, we both had the Colts plus 2.5 against the Titans. Um, who else did we have?
0: It was the Texans. Technically, during the pod, it was plus 1.5, and then the line moved to plus 2.5. On the day of, so that's this is actually a, could be a point of contention. Uh, I don't do, do you,
1: prophecy. I'm taking the points.
0: You're taking the points. You 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 want the the plus two and a half that we got on the day of instead of the plus one and a half that we did during the pod.
1: I don't control the lines, man. Just take the Texans plus. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, it was they 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 lost by two, so it was like we could we were wrong technically during the pod, but right on the day of, so. I want to count that as a win because it's it semantics. looks good for us. That's right. That's right. <laughs> we were
1: correct. We said they were plus and they were they were plus. And
0: then I got my Jets
1: pick. I had Jets plus two and a half and they ended up winning. Um, and then your pick, you picked uh, Cardinals to cover plus three and they did not. So that's how you yeah. get to two and one. But just for the year, I'm, I'm up three on the year with that three and a week, breaking my stalemate. So pretty excited to build on that.
0: Yeah, John is seven four and one, and I am I believe four, seven and or four and seven, just four and seven.
1: <laughs> Oof. Um, well, that's okay. There's always next week. Um, all right, for this week, I guess as the undefeated man, it's only right and fair that I give you the first pick.
0: Yeah, I think I think that's fair. Um, one thing that I want to note: last week we. Covered the fact that the value dogs or the underdogs that are covering are also winning, and this week was no exception. Uh, I was I looked at all the games, and the Texans were the only underdog that covered and did not win. The underdogs were six one and six when it comes to the spread. So they won the six games that they covered. They won one game was the Texans that they covered and lost, and then the rest they did not cover the spread. So. Looking at how that's going to play out, I think that Vegas is playing with our emotions right now. I'm gonna I'm gonna zag and go against that and pick people that or pick teams that I think are gonna lose by the appropriate amount of points. So with my first pick, this might be a wild one. I'm feeling I'm feeling crazy today. Uh, I'm gonna go with the Panthers plus thirteen and a half against the Miami Dolphins.
1: <laughs> you know, you can't even be that mad at it. I was looking at it. The Panthers are booty, and the Dolphins are very good. That is just a lot of flipping points.
0: It's a lot of points, and A-Chain is supposed to not play this week. And Carolina's been scoring a lot of points. They just haven't been able to keep up with the teams that they've been playing against. They played the Lions, and their defense just is not that good. Um, and obviously, they let up 37 points to the Seahawks, who, by, by all those margins, that means Miami should score 85 points. Correct. But... I still like plus thirteen and a half when it comes to them not having their lead running back, and Carolina just Miami's defense is not amazing by any means, and I think they can just kind of keep pace. I I actually really like the plus thirteen and a half line. If it jumped to fourteen and a half, I might I might even hit that. Go to the casino and do it.
1: That's totally fair. That is totally fair. Um, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, we all know how that could fail, and it's because Miami scores a bundle, but. Yeah, to keep it within a two touchdown score. It's not a bad bet. Um, for my first pick, I'm gonna kind of go with my boys. I feel like I'm going back to the well on these guys, and that is the Washington Commanders plus two and a half against the Atlanta Falcons. Um, Commanders are coming off three straight losses to the Bills, Eagles, and, uh, quite a show against the Bears <laughs> last week. Um, so I get why people are a little bit down on him, but let's not forget, this is one of the best defensive lines in football. They're going to slow B. John Robinson down. They're going to pressure Desmond Ritter. They're going to make him get the ball out fast, and I think bad things are going to happen. And Sam Howe has been doing a pretty admirable job commanding this offense, particularly in the second halves of games. Um, the only problem with the Bills and Bears games is they were down so big so fast that the gap was too big to come back, but... He was really good in the second half against the Eagles, and then again against the Bears. I expect their offense to be a little more well-rounded this week against the Falcons, and uh, I would take them minus two and a half. So the fact that you get plus two and a half makes me pretty excited. Let's go, Commanders!
0: Yeah, I actually had that one as well. That was my my number uh, number two pick. So
1: let's go! I love to see it. We we were two and zero oh last week, and ones we agreed on. So let's keep that shit up.
0: Yeah, keeping keeping the juju flowing after <coughs> the previous week. Um with my second pick, uh, I am going to go with kind of an interesting one that I'm not sure I'm not sure how this game's gonna play out. It could be a slugfest, could be a, a route, but uh, I am taking the Cleveland Browns plus five and a half against the 49ers. Wow. That one scares me. It scares the heck out of me. Uh, but I was listening wow. to the Bill Simmons podcast and it's supposed to be pouring rain that that entire weekend um, in Cleveland where I think it's just going to be like back and forth field goals. Like I think it's just going to be like 12 to 15 end game. Maybe Cleveland will score a touchdown, maybe San Francisco will score a touchdown, but I just feel like they they can they're good. Like Cleveland's defense is good. We were talking about it last week. They probably have the best defense in football. And I think they have a chance with just the conditions and kind of the home field play uh, against the 49ers and I really just wanted to look for some fun value dog picks this week and I really feel like I I delivered so there you go
1: that's well you know props to you I'm out here (laughs) looking for good value dog picks but but to each their own I'll have a little bit more to say about about that game in a little bit but uh, for now I'll go ahead and take with my second pick Ah, so torn between these two guys. I guess, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and take the Houston Texans plus one and a half against the New Orleans Saints. Um, Texans team slipped up this week. Um, they'd been looking so good and offensively, they just struggled. CJ Stroud didn't look quite as sharp as he had in weeks past. Um, and I think people are kind of holding that against them that they lost by two to the Falcons. Um, People forget what an awesome drive Stroud led to give them the lead late in that game, only to lose to a game-winning field goal. Um, this Texans offense is legit. CJ's real. Their defense is solid and young. This Saints team, they give me the ick. I understand that they just decimated the Patriots, but that's like, you know, that's like a varsity team beating up on a JV team. You know, you can't really use it to judge the Saints. Um, So I still think the Texans are a really good team. I still think they have a shot at winning the AFC South. I wouldn't say the same about the Saints. I expect the Texans to come into this with a win-now mentality. I like the points. Give me the Texans.
0: Yeah, I really thought about that game, and I think my fear is that Houston is kind of of hit their ceiling early. Um, They just played the Falcons, and the Falcons held them to 19 points. Um, and like you were saying, Stroud didn't have a great game by any means, but I feel like the saints are going to score 21 to 28 points a game somewhere in that range. And I just feel like Houston's offense isn't fully there yet. And especially with the loss of uh, tank Dell this week, I think they're, they're going to be looking for some offense that won't be able to be there. And I'm just, yeah, that was the reason I stayed away from that game, but I fully respect it. I like, I like Houston and kind of where they've been at this season Uh, I'm just a little worried about the offense right now against New Orleans.
1: Sure. Yeah, that's fair. Saints did look pretty powerful last week, but we will see. And then I guess, since you already have your three, um, for my last pick, I'm keeping it in the AFC South, and I'm taking the Indianapolis Colts.
0: God, I knew you were going to do that.
1: I was looking at a couple teams, but Colts plus four against the Jaguars. There's some really good reasons to do this. People are as high on the Jags as they've been all season after that big Bills win in London. For what it's worth, they were in London and the other team had to fly in and deal with jet lag of flying to Europe and then play football the next day. So a little bit of an advantage to the Jaguars last week. They're coming up against a Colts team that continues to win games, even as their quarterbacks come in and out of the game. Gardner Minshew is, in my opinion, the best backup quarterback in the NFL, bar none. Super confident when he's in the game, which he likely will be this week with Anthony Richardson hurt. Um... But what I really like is that this line is plus four. And the Colts are going to control the pace of this game. With that big offensive line, with Zach Moss, who's been an absolute stud at running back, and the return of Jonathan Taylor to spell him, Jonathan Taylor's going to be taking spell rolls. You know, he's going to be 10, 15 carries a game behind Zach Moss, um, and just, you know, pounding on the D line, getting a chance to bust a big run. Um, I think the Colts have a very good chance of winning this game. And even if they lose, I expect the game to be very close because there are going to be so few possessions. These Colts offensive drives are going to be long. Um, just They're going to lean on the run game. They're going to roll Gardner out, rely on that play action short pass um, and really drag these out. I think I would take the Colts to win and giving me plus four is a little icing on the cake. So those are my
0: three picks for this week. Yeah. I I like that pick. I thought about it. Um, the reason that I didn't was because Jacksonville just played Buffalo super well. I think they're going to have a lot more confidence than they have the previous weeks. They're three and two. They're looking good. And, um, I I actually feel like Trevor Lawrence and Calvin Ridley really are going to have just like a huge game this week. I don't know why. I just have that feeling, and uh, I feel like they're going to win by a touchdown. Sorry, sorry for your Colts, but I feel like it's going to be one of those games that's like tied down to the wire, and then Trevor Lawrence just like leads the game, leads the the team to a touchdown to end it.
1: You know, I wouldn't hate to see it. I do like this Jags offense in particular, and every loss my Colts take is a loss closer to drafting Marvin Harrison Jr. in the draft. So,
0: Man, you, you need them to start losing now then yeah. because they are 3-2. and two.
1: <laughs> Luckily, I think the top three picks are going to be quarterbacks, so we don't have to be too bad. Um, I do just want to touch on, before we close up here, my rancid dog of the week, the dog you do not want anything to do with. Keep that dog out of your home. And the rancid dog of the week is the Cleveland Browns against the San Francisco 49ers. <laughs> I think that's hilarious that you picked them. I had to pick them as Rancid Dog <laughs> like last week. Um, plus five and a half against this Niners team. Any team being within one touchdown of this Niners team is laughable. This Niners team <laughs> is not beating teams. This Niners team is decimating teams. They're running trick plays to Kittle just to run up his touchdown count against... The second best defense in the NFL in the Dallas Cowboys. You're right. This Browns defense may well be the best. But we just saw the 49ers score at will against at least a top five defense in the Dallas Cowboys. So am I really worried about the Browns slowing them down significantly? I'm not. Guess what else? The Niners also have a top five defense in the NFL. And you know what the Browns have? A really poopy, stinky (laughs) offense that just put up like three points against the Ravens, the Ravens just dominated the Browns. They just kicked the Browns' teeth in. They scored plenty of points against that touted Browns' defense. And the Browns weren't able to do anything to get back in the game. And now they're supposed to be within a touchdown of easily the best team in football? That doesn't make a lick of sense to me. I promise you I will be betting heavily on the 49ers come Sunday.
0: Well, there you have it. John and I do not agree on that one. So That is, <laughs> so <laughs> that those, is definitely a, a point of contention in the household right now.
1: Those will be the two games to watch. We, hopefully we'll both be right about the Commanders, and we'll see which one of us is very, very wrong about the Niners because, yeah, <laughs> if you're right, I will, I, will, I will be pretty shocked. But you never know.
0: That's a crazy 10 a.m. game on Sunday. I feel like that should be like a Monday night football game where it's like everybody should be watching the Niners. I guess the Niners did just destroy the supposed third-best team in the NFC. but Correct. Come on. I feel like that should be like at least a a 1 p.m. game. For sure. Well,
1: all we can do is see. I'm hoping my uh, track record keeps up. I feel pretty good. I feel like I got hot hands out here. Um. So we wanted to spend most of this podcast talking about the Kraken in their opening game, but before that, we wanted to touch on the Hawks and UW. A couple of big games coming up this week. Uh, what do you want to start with, your boys or or our boys?
0: Uh, let's start with our boys. Let's keep it in keep it in the NFL instead of bouncing back and forth. Um, Smart. You want to break down your your just give me your initial thoughts on Seahawks Bengals.
1: Yeah, my initial thoughts, Bengals minus three against the Seahawks. I was thinking about taking the Hawks plus three as a value dog, but boy, howdy, did it ever look like the Bengals shook the rust off in that last game. Um, Joe Burrow finally being able to get the ball downfield to Jamar Chase, who had a historic game. I think he finished with 16 receptions for 190 yards and three touchdowns. Big time fantasy performance by Jamar Chase there. Um and their defense stepped up big several times as well. Obviously, the big pick six, um, in the opposing end zone. Um, but yeah, the Bengals are looking good at both sides of the ball at the absolute worst time for the Hawks. Obviously, the Hawks looked very good last we saw them play coming off their bye. Um, but I just, yeah, I guess my feeling is that I'm not feeling hyper confident. What I do think is Seattle's pass rush has looked nice, particularly with, you know, some of their gimmick blitzes, getting safeties and corners off the edge. And I think that should be very effective against a Joe Burrow that is basically planted in the pocket as he nurses that calf injury. But I'm worried that if we're too aggressive with the blitz, Burrow's just going to get the ball downfield. Higgins should be back for this game. So we'll have Higgins, Chase, Boyd running all around. Um... I'm worried about the secondary holding up. I'm worried about Gino being a little rusty against a Bengals defense that's flying around. Um, Yeah. A little worried. What are your thoughts?
0: It's hard to say. So I think the big, the big thing that I look at when I see the Bengals is it's literally just Joe Burrow to Jamar chase. And if, Witherspoon can have the kind of game that where we hope he can as the you know number five drafted player this season and you know making a case for a defensive uh, rookie of the year type thing. Um, I think if he can knock down Chase and maybe we just send you know a safety with him as well and just go two, two, two guys guarding uh, Jamar Chase. I really don't see the Bengals having other options. Like the reason that they scored as many points as they did is because Jamar Chase had so many yards and so many touchdowns um the the cardinals don't have that kind of defense and i think this the seahawks kind of do um yeah i mean so jamar chase you said at 190 yards that last game that's more than any of the total yards of the other receivers on the bengal's like the other right. receivers on the bengal's have not really been targeted at all um tyler boyd's next most with 166 yards he hasn't scored a touchdown t higgins has scored two um the Bengals have scored one rushing touchdown the entire season. And Joe Mixon is the one that scored that. And he's got more yards technically than, um, than Kenneth Walker, but Walker's been able to finish, finish out drives. And I feel like when the, the Bengals get in the red zone, I think the Seahawks defense can kind of withstand that. That's, that's why, that that's why I think we could have a chance. I'm not saying that I think the Seahawks are going to win. I think that's kind of how we would have to beat them is rely on them to not be successful in the red zone and limit Jamar Chase's big plays. I think that's kind of the two key factors. Um, yeah, I think that and, you know, that's all that's all we can ask for with the Seahawks defense. In terms of the offense, kind of just keeping pace. We're, you know, we're scoring, it feels like 25 to 30 points a game. And I feel like that's going to be enough if we can limit those things on defense. Um, Gino just needs to be solid. He needs to not throw any interceptions and just, you know, maybe get one touchdown and Kenneth Walker will get another touchdown and we'll just kind of grind it out. Kind of like we've, we've been doing. Um, I still don't think Cincinnati's amazing just because they're kind of one dimensional.
1: And they haven't, they haven't earned, you know, they came into the season with a lot of clout and, you know, this last game was nice, but we need to see two or three more of those performances before we can really start being afraid of the Bengals. Um, and I do think you're right. I do think, The Hawks have a better red zone offense than the Bengals, thanks to Kenneth Walker and thanks to DK and the matchup problems he provides, and thanks to how much Geno has been working with these tight ends. Um, The difference is the chunk play potential of this Bengals team is just so far beyond this Hawks team. Um, Jamar Chase going down the field, Higgins going down the field, one thing to note it's so easy to say, let's just double-team Jamar Chase. A lot of people think Higgins could be the best receiver on a lot of football teams. If you double-team Jamar and Higgins is back, Burrow's just going to hit Higgins all game. The guy's capable of putting up similar massive numbers to Jamar. Um, but you're right, in the red zone, yeah, um, their running game has been, you know, Mixon's been quite disappointing basically his entire tenure there, and particularly this year. Um, they're having to do everything in shotgun because of Burrow and his ankle. So they're not even able to you know, play with anything up at the line to potentially confuse the defenses. So their red zone offense should be pretty predict- predictable. The defense should be able to hold them to field goals. I'm just I'm still a little worried. This Hawks offense, you're right, they have been moving the ball, they have been scoring, but the thing that has been just completely absent from their offensive game plan has been the big plays. The big plays down the field to DK or to Tyler Lockett they just haven't been happening. It's all been shorter stuff, which has been working. You know, they move the ball, they convert on third down, and they are efficient in the red zone. But if the Bengals get up early and put the screws on Gino, and Gino is forced to make plays, I'm just, that makes me a little concerned. So um, I get what you're saying. You know, it's predicted a three point game, Seahawks plus three. You know, I wouldn't blink at it. They could easily win this game, but. They could also, I just don't know what to think about the Spangles team. They may be trash or they may be very, very, very good. <laughs> and for that reason, I would just stay away.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think it's interesting the ESPN matchup predictor has the Seahawks favored to win this game. Um, I, my, my other thing is just like keeping pressure on Joe Burrow. He's thrown three interceptions already this year and only five touchdowns. Like he's not looked amazing. And obviously he had three touchdowns this last week. So keeping that pressure up will provide our cornerbacks and safeties with the opportunity to, you know, take, create some turnovers. I think that's really what we need to do is create some turnovers on the defensive end. Um, and I think that would, if we did, if we could get two turnovers, I think that would guarantee us a win this week.
1: For sure, for sure. I think that's I think that's completely fair. Um, other than that, we just have to wait and see. They've had a week to prepare, so they should have the edge on the Bengals there. Um, big game. Let's see what the Hawks are made of.
0: Yeah, go Hawks.
1: Um, next up, I guess a little UW football.
0: Yeah, just grind the football out right now, um, man. I I I'm just gonna I'm gonna talk about it. It's gonna be a crazy game. It's gonna be just so you know, college game days coming to Seattle. It's gonna be a bunch of Duck fans, a bunch of Husky fans, a bunch of Kook fans because of Pat McAfee, um, and just two Heisman candidates going at it with just like great, great running backs, decent or decent running backs, great receivers. Um, and just very high powered offenses. Oregon's averaging 560 yards of offense and, uh, per game. And UW is averaging 570 yards of offense per game with just a ton of passing, a decent amount of rushing. And it's just going to be, it's going to be great. It's going to be great. John, what do you think?
1: Yeah, it's going to be a huge, huge, huge game. Um, Pretty excited for it. Obviously, I think there is a. Uh, I'm not even. I, I might be underselling it. There's a good chance that this game will determine who comes out of the Pac-12. Um, not only is the Pac-12 champ the last Pac-12 champ, but also more than likely a shot in the playoff if they can, you know, keep the faith after this game. Both these teams are ranked in the top 10. Both these teams are talented on both sides of the ball. Two of the top five offenses in college football, probably. I'd put them at probably one in five with UW and Oregon respectively. Um, Heisman matchup huge between Penix and Bo Nix. Obviously, Bo Nix isn't like a top three Heisman candidate, but he's, you know, he's top five, so still a big game in that regard. I think what we've seen in the last couple weeks is you know, kind of a fall from grace of USC. They're just so one-sided that Mm -hmm. I think people really aren't taking them seriously the way they used to as a Pac-12 and college football playoff contender. And that's really left the two juggernauts. It's left UW and Oregon. These are the two teams. Obviously, you know, after this game, there's still a lot of really competitive Pac-12 football to be played. But this is the biggest game of the year, you know, even if they were to make, even if UW were to win and make the playoff, this would still be the biggest game of the year because they wouldn't be able to get there unless they do this here. Um, Oregon, in my mind, is a top five team in college football. Super talented on both sides of the ball. It's going to be a real challenge, a real challenge for Penix and this offense to keep the pressure on because this Huskies defense is talented. But they're going to give up points to this Oregon offense. They're going to. Um, And it's going to be Penix and the job of this offense, Dunze, McMillan, Polk, to keep the pressure on Oregon, to keep a lead um, and keep themselves in the driver's seat. Because this, playing against Oregon, it can get away from you. and It can get away from you fast. So um, right out of the gate, I don't want to see a punt. I don't want to see a punt on their first possession. I want to see points on the board. And I want them, you know, putting the pressure on Oregon and Bo mix to have to go down the field and score and maybe, you know, incite some mistakes that we've seen out of those guys in the past. So, um, yeah, by far the biggest test of the offense this year and uh, arguably the biggest game in the last year of the Pac-12, making it the biggest Pac-12 game ever. Who's to say?
0: You know, we're, we're not the ones that are going to gonna claim that, but we'll definitely <laughs> say we said it first.
1: <laughs> I, I heard somebody else say that. I told them they were wrong, but I heard it.
0: <laughs> um, What I do want to note is, so Oregon's rushing yards, they have almost double our rushing yards. Um, but we have, so we have 600 rushing yards, they have 1,200, and we have 600 more passing yards than they do. So yardage-wise, we're about even, Um but I do want to note that Oregon's first five games of the season were just against teams that I think were generally worse than the team, The first five teams that we played. They played Portland State, who they blew out 81-7, to which is fine, it's Portland State. They played Texas Tech, and that was a tight game. It was 38-30. to um, They played Hawaii, blew them out. They played Colorado, who's shown that they're really not that good. And they played Stanford, who I don't think has a win in the Pac-12. Um, they're 1-4 they're on the season and is not good. Then we look at who Washington's played. They played Boise State, who's a good team. We talked about it. They're a good team, and they played us as tough as they could have, but we really blew them out. Tulsa was, you know, whatever. We kind of demolished Michigan State. Cal has been a good team. They, uh, they're they 3-3. Three. They're 1-2 in Pac-12 play, but they, you know, they've played us and two other teams that I don't know right now. And then we played Arizona, who is also 3-3 three and 1-2 three and and in Pac-12 play, but that was a tight game. And I think Arizona and Cal, in terms of Pac-12 play, are just like a ladder up from the Stanford and Colorado. Um, even though Colorado's record is better than those two teams, I think Colorado Correct. is worse in general. And so I think it may seem like Oregon's been blowing out these teams, but they just haven't really faced anybody like the Huskies in terms of their offensive production. That's which true. Which is probably why they seem so scary to us, is it's like, oh, they've other teams have scored six points the last two games. We would we would score 47 points against Colorado and Stanford as well. Like that's just how it would work. And we would probably hold their offenses to 13 points. Like that's just Absolutely. those kinds of teams. There's so. no doubt
1: about that. There's no, and a lot of this is based on the eye test. You know, that's why we have these matchups is because you can't compare apples to oranges. Um, yeah. Yeah. To be fair to your point. Yeah. I, I think you dub will be favored in this game. I don't, do you have the line on it?
0: Um. Let me pull it up. Oregon it is right technically no, it's Washington, it's minus, Washington three, minus three, yeah. But the, the matchup predictor has Oregon winning. So if you want to go in line with ESPN, you should take that Oregon plus three any day of the week. Um, well,
1: I'm definitely going to do it to emotionally hedge, but <laughs> as as you were saying, you're right. You know why should our offense have to fear them? You know Oregon's going through the exact same thing right now. The matchup that matters to Oregon is can their defense slow down this UW offense? It's that simple. You know, they need their defense to keep some sort of lid on Penix and these boys, um, to let Bo Nix, you know, be able to keep them in it. Because if this is a straight out shootout, UW just has more firepower and Bo Nix is not consistent enough to make them pay. So, um, I think Washington minus three is very reasonable. I do think they're the better team. And personally, I think they're going to win the game. Um, but the game will be decided on that UW offense versus Oregon defense, you know, side of the ball. We know what's coming out of Oregon offense against UW defense. Oregon is going to put up somewhere between 24 and 38 points. The question is, what is UW going to do?
0: Yeah, I think it's important to note that Jalen McMillan has also been out the last two games. Um, He injured his hand at Michigan State. And so I don't know if he's back. I haven't seen the injury reports yet. Um, If he is, that just adds another layer of threat because Arizona really only had to cover Polk and Adunze. And if if the Oregon cornerbacks are going one-on-one against Adunze, Polk, and McMillan, I just don't think they have the athleticism to keep up with those guys as long as we can give Penix enough time they're going to find ways to get open. Um, And I just love that threat on our offense. I agree with you. I think if it's going to be a shootout, we've got that in the bag. And if it comes down to a defensive stands, um, that's going to be a great test for our defense. I'm unsure what's going to happen, but I still have faith in the Huskies.
1: Yep. Yep. That's totally fair. It's going to be a massive game. Super fun to watch. Couldn't be more
0: excited. God, I'm going to have to wake up at five to go to college game day. Games at 1230 in the afternoon. It's going to be, it's going to be an experience for sure.
1: We're going to have to get some champagne in you that
0: morning. Oh, don't worry. I'm sure my parents' tailgate will have enough breakfast and alcoholic beverages to get me going through the uh, through the rest of the day.
1: That's what I like to hear.
0: <laughs> um, with that, hey, we're excited about these games. We think that they're great games, and obviously we talked about it earlier, but Huskies, I feel like they could win this game. Seahawks, I feel like they could win this game. It's all dependent on how the defenses show up. And uh, let's go.
1: Yep, it's going to be exciting. Um, I guess the main topic for our discussion today, we saved it for the end to bury the lead a little bit, is the Krakener are back. Season opener tonight against the Golden Knights. Uh, Seattle hockey back on the ice. Super excited. Love to see it. Did not necessarily love to see the result of that first game, a four one loss uh to the Las Vegas Golden Knights. Um it was a competitive game. Uh really what it came down to is shots on goal and theirs went in and ours did not.
0: Yeah, I would agree. Um their goalie had a really good first game. Uh Aiden Hill was really good and the our our offense was kind of just kind of missing the net, I think. They were the shots were not really you know, on target, I guess is how you would, is how you would put it. They weren't on goal or on net. Um, We were just kind of missing wide, missing up high. And the goalie didn't have to do as much and kind of late in the, in the third period was when we felt like we were coming on. But by that time he kind of gotten into his groove and it was really tough to tough to get past that defense. We had a five minute major power play, which, you know, was a tough foul on Tanev where that guy just shouldered his head and he was down for a minute or two there. Um, and it was just, we couldn't, we couldn't bust through. And that was just kind of our offense being a little lackluster and figuring it out. It feels like that first game, we were not fully prepared to, for this kind of game, um, against such a good team.
1: Yeah. I think that's also, I think that's, that's a little harsh. I mean, we are going against the defending champs. We got more shots on goal 33 to 28. We only put one in, they put four in, um, Credit their goalkeeper, had some nice saves. You are right, the offense could have been a little sharper, could have cleaned up the precision of those shots. But we were getting lots of shots on goal. We were putting a lot of pressure on them. Um, We were controlling the puck for a good bit in those first two periods. It was really, when they scored their first goal, we had had something like 12 shots on goal, and it was their like second shot on goal that they scored. The Golden Knights were hyper-efficient with their looks around the goal particularly early as they built that 2-0 lead. Um, and we, we just weren't able to come back as things went down the stretch. I I honestly was pretty encouraged with the way that they were playing, the way they were flying up and down the ice, playing aggressive and physical. Um, but Las Vegas is a really good team. There's a reason that they get to bring the Stanley Cup around.
0: Yeah, no, I was impressed with the um, the physicality of the team and, and the hustle and the, the looks of some of the new guys. Um Yeah, like I said, it just felt like to me the offense was a little lackluster compared to where we were seeing him four months ago when we were talking about him in the playoffs and things like that That is very fair. That is very fair.
1: Um, Grubauer, too, maybe not quite on his previous postseason form, though I would much rather he save it for the next one. Uh, 27 shots against him, three made it in, Uh, so an 889 save percentage. Um, you're saying, hey, three, but there were it was a 4-1 game. They got an empty net goal at the end in garbage time. So Grubauer only gave up three. Not his best outing, but he did play pretty well. He did have some nice saves as well mixed in there. And then the other bright spot, our one goal in the second period, Jared McCann, assist mm-hmm. from Jordan Everly. Just a nice little wrist shot to get us back in the game. We just weren't able to capitalize. So, yeah, not the end of the world. First game of a long season. We were just... we were having a blast just sitting down and watching hockey again. So uh, overall a pretty good experience.
0: Yeah. Yeah. With that, do you want to get into what looks new for the Kraken right now? There's a, there's a few new players that we would just like to talk about kind of where they're coming from and what they could add to the team.
1: Definitely. Yeah. We just kind of wanted to give an overview of, of the roster as it is now Um, you know, what's changed from last year and you know, I think the big takeaway for both the Kraken and the Golden Knights was uh, consistency. Um, they Both teams brought back a vast majority of their rosters. This Kraken team, if you watched last year, will be very familiar to you. But yeah, there are some new pieces. Um, four free agent signings that made the 22-man roster. Uh, those guys are Devin Shore. He was a center that played for the Oilers. You got Pierre-Edouard Bellemare from the Lightning, another center we got Brian DeMoulin, a defenseman from the Penguins. He was very good. And Kyler Yamamoto, also from the Oilers. He's a right winger. Um, those guys are just going to come in and bolster. Uh, for a little bit of context, guys we lost to free agency. Carson Soucy was a nice defensive player for us. He left. We're expecting DeMoulin to fill into his slot there. DeMoulin's an old wily vet. Uh, not good. Not, he's a little longer in the tooth, but has played on some really good Penguins defenses. So we're hoping he can bring some of that intensity in and take that, that slot that Susie left open. Um, and then we also lost Morgan Geeky, our talented young center, to free agency, um, which was a bit of a loss. We're really deep at center, but uh, it was sad to see him go. So Shore and Bellamare will both help uh, stop up that gap. We also... Lost a couple lower guys, Ryan Donato and Daniel Sprong, uh, to free agency, but they they didn't get much time on the ice. So, yeah, that kind of gives you an idea of who's new out there and uh, what roles they're going to be filling. I expect Yamamoto won't get a whole ton of ice time. He'll be uh, bottom of the wing rotation, but he was out there a decent amount today. Um, Did you have any thoughts just watching some of the new guys on what you thought of their play?
0: Yeah, the main one was Yamamoto. He was he was out there a lot, a lot. He's, you know, he's a young guy. He's 25 compared to these other guys. Dumoulin's 32 and Bellmare's 38. So the other guys are old heads like you said. Been around for a while. I um, love
1: a 38-year-old defensive hockey <laughs> player. That shit's just that shit gets me going.
0: Um he's I was looking at his just kind of like stats and and all that stuff. He's from Sweden. He started playing at 29 in the AHL. So he's got like a late bloomer career um which is good for Bellamare. Uh, in terms of Yamamoto, he's just a really high energy guy. Um, the, the broadcast was saying he's really good around the net and just kind of getting in the goalie's way and blocking his line of sight so that he can, you know, redirect a pup. Kind of like what we were saying, um, at the end of the season, when we were talking, like, we need a guy to be able to redirect shots, not just shoot past the goalie, but somebody kind of like, um, I forget the guy's name, but the Dallas Stars player who had like four goals against us that one game. He was such a monster.
1: Why can I not remember his name? It should be ingrained on the (laughs) inside of my skull.
0: Um, Yeah, I don't know. I don't remember what his name was, but he was, I have, I live in constant fear of that man. And uh, Yamamoto kind of reminds me of just a high energy, a little bit smaller version of him. Um, So I'm excited to see how he works out. It could be a pretty short term deal, but he is the first Kraken player from Washington. He's from Spokane, which is cool to see. Um, And just, yeah, he's, he's looked good so far in that one game.
1: Joe Pavelski. Ah, did you feel a shiver down your spine?
0: There's no wonder I forgot his name. It sounds like 95% of the other hockey players in the league. (laughs) That's so disrespectful. (laughs) Um,
1: yeah, but anyway, yeah. I also I agree. Yamamoto looked a little raw out there, but he's got speed, that's for sure. Um, Demolin looked sharp. He really seemed to uh, fit right in. Him and Dunn next to each other is a pretty fun combo. Um, and uh, Bellamere, you know, seemed to facilitate. I don't think he was super aggressive, but um, you know, his facilitation skills seemed good. as his control with the puck was nice. Um, I did notice that, you know, first game back, new season, there was some sloppy play in terms of yeah. puck retention. Both teams were letting it escape a little more than you would expect to see in the middle of a season, obviously, first game of the year. No big surprise there. But, uh, yeah, a lot of guys out there being a little loosey-goosey with the puck, and Bellamare did seem pretty tight. I guess that comes with several decades of experience. Um just the last thing I wanted to mention as we're talking about this roster being fleshed out was the guys that we re-signed this year to extensions. Um, like I said, most of the roster is coming back. Many of those guys are on multi-year deals and weren't eligible for free agency. But uh, Vic Dunn was eligible, our star defenseman, and we wisely brought him and William Borgen, another excellent defenseman, back. We also retained Kel- Kale Fleury. Fleury? Um, a defenseman who, uh, runs back up as well as Cole Lind, who's a right winger and is, you know, he'll probably end up playing at a, a lower level, but he's a talented young player. So those were our previous years, free agents that the team retained. Um, with that said, you know, we know what this team is going to look like going forward. It'll be exciting to see them matched up with somebody a little less frightening, um, get a better judge of this team. And, you know, also as they just get more games under their belt, I'm excited. This Kraken team, there's no reason to expect they won't be pretty darn good this year, and uh, I'm pretty optimistic that uh, we'll start seeing results pretty early.
0: Yeah, I want to. Um, I want to get your your take on where you think they're going to end up, kind of out, out, over the course of the season. Like, how how is how is it going to go? I want to get that uh, get that discussion going in a second. I do want to. Touch on two things with those new players. So Demoulin, um, obviously we got him from the Penguins as a defenseman. He's won two Stanley Cup Finals. I think he's going to be a really good veteran presence for a for a relatively young team. Um, so I think he's going to be really important. And then Bellamere, he has. We talked at the end of last season about winning more faceoffs. Our faceoff percentage was pretty low. And since 2016 or this 2016-2017 season, he's won over 50% of his faceoffs every single year. Um, so like you were saying, he's a pretty control heavy player and I feel like he's going to be really good at, um, stymieing power plays and things of that nature. So that'll be really nice to see. Um, but yeah, let's, let's talk just a little bit of uh, season outlook. What do you, what are you thinking?
1: I guess starting at the micro and getting more macro, you know, Kraken in the Pacific division of the Western conference, Stuck in there with the Golden Knights, unfortunately. So, uh, <laughs> starting escape. starting the year a game back from first place. Um, but looking at this Pacific Conference, I think, or this Pacific Division, um, I think the Kraken should be able to hold on to the two seed of the Pacific. You know, I think we're better than the Ducks, Flames, Oilers, Kings, Sharks, and Canucks. The Oilers are always good. I think they'll be in that run with us. But uh, I think the Kraken should have a pretty good lock on that two and could maybe potentially jostle around with the Golden Knights for that one uh, in the Pacific, zooming out to the Western in general. Blackhawks are looking really nice, particularly with their star young player. I can't remember his name, but he was a real stud that everyone was very excited to see on the Blackhawks. And he had a great game tonight, leading them to a, a victory. Um, so, Outside the Blackhawks, though, Blackhawks, Stars, and Avalanche are all in that central. That's a pretty, uh, pretty talented division there. So, it'll be interesting to see how the West shakes out. I think Knights, Blackhawks, Kraken, and then probably Stars, Avalanche, Oilers, in no particular order. Um, I think there's a good chance that they'll be in play for that three seed in the West, potentially more, but, uh, good, Sight to aim for currently I would say is that three seed
0: yeah that's that's kind of exactly what I was thinking so last season I believe they finished fourth in the Pacific division um really tough division last year and uh they were able to get I think it was the second round we lost the stars in yeah um I really think they could fight for that like third third in the west um title and as long as they keep keep pace with uh, the Knights. I think it's going to be a really good season with um, just kind of the, the play between or the, the contrast between the two teams that are, um, oh, what are they called? The expansion teams, the the golden Knights, obviously being a year or two out of the, where the Kraken are, but Kraken really trying to follow in their footsteps. So it'll be interesting to see how they, how they can do that. Yeah. Um,
1: the golden Knights, their first year at that nice run to the Stanley cup final where they lost to Ovechkin in the Capitals. And Seattle in our second year, a very surprising playoff run. Seven-game series win over the defending champion, Avalanche, and then a seven-game series loss to the touted Dallas Stars, who then went on to get smacked, but we don't have to focus on that. Um, yeah, lots of room to build. Unexpected success last year. I hope they do not fall into the Mariners' pitfall of you know, feeling too good about that, you know, unexpected success. I hope they, you know, really work to build on it and turn it into expected success.
0: I think they're, they're going to try and do the opposite of what the Mariners are doing, which is hold the attention of the fans instead of let it all go. (laughs) (laughs) Oh goodness. Um, Yeah.
1: Thank you Kraken for arriving right on time to save us from our post Mariners misery
0: it was really needed it's 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 nice to have a team that's playing going to be playing more frequently than football obviously with this pod it's nice to be able to focus on football because we have one pot a week but it's going to be nice to be able to catch a couple more games of uh during the week go out and grab more beers
1: that's right we haven't been making nearly enough beer it's been it's been (laughs) problematic
0: all right, John. Is that is that all we got? Is it a short pod today at uh, 50 minutes? <laughs> wow, a
1: tight 50. Remember when all our pods used to be 50 minutes?
0: God. Yeah, and then there was last week's so that was a hundred not 120, an hour and 20 minutes.
1: Love to see it. That's just dedication to the craft.
0: <laughs> well, with that, um, we hope you have a good. This is being recorded on Tuesday night, so we hope you have a good Wednesday. Did you guys hear that voice crack? That was nice. Um thanks, man. Uh, If you enjoyed this episode of Sound Up Seattle, please feel free to give us a follow on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Wherever you're listening, you can find us there. Um, You can find Sound Up Seattle on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter, all at Sound Up Seattle, all lowercase, all one word. You can find me, Tyler, at tycart 50 everywhere that's important. And you can find John. He just started Elden Ring, so he's going to be grinding that for quite a while.
1: Find me in the lands between,
0: baby. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And with that, for the first cracking game of the season, let's go cracking.
1: Let's go, squids.